Okay, if you've got a Bible with you, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And um, we're going to be in, uh, in Philippians and other scriptures. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Father God, thank you. Again, we can saturate our service with prayer, and we can, uh, which is what we want to do. Lord, just work uh, through us instead of um, uh, us working through ourselves, uh, work in spite of us. Lord God, there have been, I know there, for a fact, there have been search committees that have been in this position before, and uh, some have succeeded wildly and wonderfully, and others um, have uh, not. And what we pray, Lord, is in light of this community just engulfing our church and, uh, and the possibilities of honoring you on this uh, hill that we're on. And we just want it so much. But we just admit, Father, that we are uh, we're so fallible. We're so mortal. But thank you, Lord, that you work in spite of us and you'll guide us in spite of ourselves. We ask that. We ask for the special spirit anointing over our search committee and over the word this morning. Somebody came in here needing what you say in your word today. We all do, really, but some more so than others, and, and just penetrate deep to our deepest spirit and give us that lift that we need uh, this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 4, 4. Uh, says, rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah has a, a devotional that I get every month or so, and I want to just give you a short quote of what he said in this devotional. He said, everyone talks about happiness, but seldom do we hear the biblical wor word gladness. The only eight letters... Few today use that word or experience its reality. Yet the Bible is full of gladness and joy. That word is found, gladness, this word, word is found nearly 50 times in Scripture. Joy or rejoice is found over 200 times in the Word of God. Deuteronomy 28, 47 tells us to serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart. Isaiah said in Isaiah 51, 11, so the ransomed of, this lo of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can have supernatural joy and gladness even during difficult circumstances. So the Bible says not only we can we have joy, regardless of our circumstances, we should have joy regardless of our circumstances and believe it or not we are commanded to have joy by god in spite of our circumstances and in spite of our feelings you know a joyful or rejoicing attitude or spirit is not just for paul or peter like the apostles or some super spiritual christians uh joy rejoicing uh that takes place all, in all of our lives are for all of us if we know Jesus, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've read this verse and gone, yeah, right. Rejoice always? 
a little too high of a bar for old Mitch. You know, I can rejoice when things are going good, but when things are going really bad, do I really think that I can rejoice? Well, God's commanding us to, and he doesn't command us to do anything that we can't do. Okay? He tells us to rejoice always in every loss, in every trial, in every time we've been betrayed or we're struggling with a person, place, or thing. Every time of discouragement, we should be perpetually joyful. I know it sounds impossible, especially with the world that we live in. I, I challenge you to watch the news for an hour, hour and a half, and go away going, man, do I feel joyful. Man, that was just a great, great, great time of watching TV and the news. I, I just feel full of joy. I feel like rejoicing. I don't. That's why I watch so much less of it now. I just don't watch the news. Maybe, you know, half hour, 20 minutes a day to catch the first headlines, and that's it. But we're commanded to be joyful. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, that's, that's said, those same words are said three times in the Bible, in the New Testament anyway. Uh, Philippians 4, and then back in Philippians 3, I believe it's verse 1, and then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, verses 17 through 19, I believe. Okay, so again, to, to just continue to say this, we're commanded to have joy as a continual occurrence in our lives. And I got to tell you, having experienced this, and I'm, not, I'm a rookie, I am a rookie, but having joy in our lives, in my life, when things, circumstances, I will put it that way, circumstances and feelings aren't really producing that joy is one of the greatest blessings I've ever experienced. I don't know how to even articulate how wonderful it is to have the world and life against me and yet at the same time have the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I think that begs the question this morning, how does this happen on a daily basis for me? I'm raising my kids and I, I have to minister to my spouse, not have to, I want to minister to my spouse. Um, work is really, uh, it's, like a, it's like I'm standing underneath a dump truck and, and they're unloading more stuff than I can handle and, and I have these conflicts and issues and problems and trials and struggles. And you expect me to go around in a state of full joy. Yes, I do, because God expects that of you and I. And if he expects us to do that, then he'll show us how to do that, and it's a great blessing. It really is. Now, the reason I picked this verse is because, if, in case you haven't noticed, it means a whole lot to me. I was reading some time ago uh, that this, uh, in Philippians, and God just really hit me with Philippians 4.4, 4. and I, I've read this. I've read it in Greek. I've read it in English. I've had to do uh, papers on these verses in seminary. I've probably, I don't even know if I've, pre I'm sure I've preached on this before because I preached the book of Philippians, gosh, decades ago. But I'll tell you, you ever read a scripture and it hits you brand new? It's like, whoa, I never saw that before. Debbie and I constantly, you know, we're, we're sharing verses with each other uh, that re- uh, mind us and, 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 and renew our vision of Scripture that we not, never saw before, okay? So um, this is part of a series I'm in, and the series is, it's awkward to drink water when you're talking. The series is called Go-To Verses 
for when the going gets rough. Go-to verses for when the going gets rough. And these are verses, 10, 15 verses, that God has given me in the last eight, nine years through Debbie in my peaks and valleys, in ministry and in life, that God just, just used them to carry us through. And this is one of them. And so I want to share it with you. And the title of the message today is Make the Choice to Rejoice. Make the Choice to Rejoice. On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how, do you, how much do you like this title? <laughs> okay, I stole it from another guy, okay? <laughs> I liked it so much, I just said, Deb, I got I to use this title. Make the Choice to Rejoice. Now, I never looked at his sermon. I, don't, I didn't take anything from his sermon, but I, I love the title. And uh, Make the Choice to rejoice. Now, how do we do that? Well, we got to know what uh, it means to rejoice, because a lot of us have misconceptions about rejoicing. I'll be honest with you, when I hear the word rejoicing, I, I think of just like this, you know, just kind of this giddy, kind of tiptoeing through the tulips kind of thing, you know, I'm joyful, and kind of almost like a a, a real spacey thing almost, you know, and uh, that's certainly not what it means. Let me talk about what joy, uh, uh, what joy doesn't mean. I think it's important, or to rejoice doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to acquire happiness. Happiness and joy are two totally different things. Happiness is more having good things happen and having circumstances that, that, that fall on the floor while you're preaching and... Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know who did that, but get out of here now. No, uh, just kidding. Um, it doesn't mean to acquire happiness. Uh, to be joyous doesn't mean happy because happy depends on circumstances or, or other things. And the world is, is crazy about having happiness. The world around us is crazy about being happy or finding happiness or feeling good. Almost everything in the world that we live in is geared toward helping us feel good. Did you notice that? I'll feel good if I get this new truck or this new car. I'll feel good when I, we get more uh, square feet in our new house, which is not, these are not bad things, but they can't give us joy. And, and, and then there's things that, that we need to avoid. Um, you know, unhealthy things that people in our world use for happiness. Immorality, illicit relationships, drugs and alcohol, substances, pornography, unhealthy relationships, material things, whatever. You fill in the blank. All to make us happy. And some of these things are okay. Okay? Some of the things that people try to find happiness in are okay. But they won't result in joy because happiness is dependent on our circumstances, okay, on something external, all right? And then uh, I've been mentioning circumstances. Joyousness or rejoicing doesn't mean a change of circumstance. Maybe you're thinking today, you know, if I could just change my circumstances. Don't raise your hand, but if you could just change your circumstances, you know, if I could just change this situation, then I'll be full of joy. No, you won't. <laughs> because something else is going to come up. Something else, man, you're such a downer, Pastor Miz. Well, I've just lived enough life to know that things don't always go, our circumstances will not always go well. There's always something, you know. Okay, 
where was Paul writing from? He was writing from a Roman prison. And I saw a picture of that this week. Have you ever seen a picture of a Roman prison where they put people? This, it, I'll tell you what, just looking at the picture was depressing. First of all, it's way underground. It's not like the, the, the prison that we have, although those are bad enough, but this is way underground. And one, one thing I noticed was the ceiling was super low. You know? Super low, so you're kind of like this. And it was dark. It was, you know, they didn't have electricity. It was dank. It was, it was uh, damp. And uh, what do you think it smelled like? And it was really the depressing place. And Paul is down in this... In, in these circumstances going, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So it's not dependent on our circumstances. All right? You can be or joyful or rejoice in an underground prison cell, but be absolutely miserable on top, on solid ground. It's not, it's not, <laughs> good circumstances is only going to give us a temporary happiness. Okay? Because things are always changing. Also, I want to say what joy is not, or rejoicing. Joy, joyfulness or rejoicing doesn't mean putting on, a pasting a smile on our face. You know, like, and then when we're alone, we go, you know. It's not putting a, a, a false face or a perpetual smile or acting like something bad didn't happen when it did. I have a friend of mine whose parents got cancer and eventually both died from cancer, but they, they thought it was, it was like really Christian to walk around saying, yeah, we're the cancer twins. I know, and it was just like, oh, come on. It's, it's not a fake job, a fake job. Joy, joy cannot be faked by going into denial or practicing positive thinking or to maintain a cheerful disposition um, when we're hurting. It's something entirely different. I'm so glad to be here to tell you what the Bible says here. It doesn't mean that we never feel depressed or sad or grieve or deny the intensity of our problems. Okay, so hopefully, you're, I hope you're thinking about, well, what does rejoicing mean then if it's not all that? Okay, again, this is hard because of our misconceptions, right? But just go, stay with me here, okay? Rejoicing is not a feeling, and it's not an emotion, primarily. Rejoicing is not a feeling, and it's not an emotion. It's not something man-made. It's, it's rejoicing, like it says here, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, again, I will say it again, rejoice. It's not a, a feeling or an emotion. It's not something man-made. Rejoicing is something supernatural that only comes from God. Joy... Joy. Listen close. I worked on this a lot this week. And some of it still sounds kind of muddled, but go with me here. Joy or the act of rejoicing is the result of something. What's it the result of? Of having a focus and trust on the truth about who God is and what he has done for us through Christ. Let me repeat that. Joy, the, the thing that could make Paul sing with Silas in a Roman prison or a Philippian prison or whatever it was, 
Joy is the result. Joy or the act of rejoicing is the result of having a focus and trust on the truth about who God is and what he has done for us through Christ. Now, I am telling the absolute truth because I have experienced this. Now, I'm still a rookie. I wish I could say this is my experience every day, but goodness knows, I want to just share with you my excitement at having experienced this. I I don't think I've ever experienced it like this before because I practiced this. I was was really down one day, and I don't know what for, you know. Um, Probably something Debbie said or did to me. You know how... uh, (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Um, she says, now she's trying to eat my muffin for that. Right, uh. Oh, it's over, two chairs over. She's smart. She says, I'll get it out with reach here. No, something, I don't know what. I'm melancholy. That's my, part of my personality. And I was reading this. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Because what was in me was kind of like a brick of cement. You know, right in my stomach, middle, and chest. And it was big, and it was heavy, and it was intimidating. And so I started doing this, and I started to uh, meditate on the nature of God. He's loving, he's sovereign, he's all-powerful. He, he's all that God is. He's everywhere. He's kind, he's generous, he's benevolent, he, he loves me. And then I started uh, thinking about who Jesus was and what he did. I'm not going to go through the whole nine yards, but Jesus. And, what he, and he came here, and he... He became my sin and your sin on the cross, and, and he, 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 pulled me, he pulled me into salvation by his grace. And doggone it, is that okay to say that? Doggone it, that brick of cement got kicked out by the truth of who God is and what he has done for me in Christ. I was just, like, astounded. And I'm going to tell you why that's the case here in a few minutes, but I'm going to... I'm not going to do that yet because I want to refine the definition a little bit more. Are you guys with me this morning? This is really, really biblical, and it's really, really good, and it's something that we all need, don't we? We do. We need this. Okay, if we're alive and breathing and still on this earth as Christians, we need this. So let me refine that definition. How am I doing? Pretty good. Okay. Um, Let me repeat the... the, the, Well, I have my own definition of uh, joy. I've had this, this is, I, this is one of the few things I've actually made up on my own, okay? Joy is an inward peace in spite of my outward feelings or circumstances. It's an inward supernatural. And I'm going to say this word until you're so sick of it by the end of the sermon today, because joy is supernatural, and it has supernatural results. This is not a self-help sermon. This is not a uh, sermon on positive thinking. This is a sermon on supernatural power from God. You'll never find me reading a book by Norman Vincent Peale. You won't. Or any of these other people say that, that, that we can get through life in a positive way if we just think positively. Well, maybe you're one of those people that are naturally optimistic, and, and, and that's great. But if you want a supernatural work in your life, it has to come from the Holy Spirit. It just has to. Okay. Refining my definition of, being, of rejoicing or having joy. This is a little bit bigger, a little bit more complicated, but joy or the act of rejoicing 
is the result of having a focus on and trust on the truth about who God is and what he has done and, and what he has done for us through Christ. Now, I want to say this now as I'm refining this definition. I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, I think it's important to be honest with people about the Christian life, which is wonderful, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But this is not easy. It's not. When, when your emotions are spinning and your circumstances are, are difficult and life is kind of out of control, it is a, I've said this before, but this is a discipline. This is something that you really, really have to concentrate and say, God, this is who you are, and go through his attributes. And Jesus, thank you for, and for what you'll do, for who you are, and what, what you did for me at Calvary, and what, what you're going to do for me now. That is a, you guys agree with that? It's a discipline. This is, this is not easy for us mortal humans, but if we concentrate and we stay with it, something wonderful happens. So let me keep going here. Um, when we praise God and when we thank him, when we meditate on who God is, and I'm going to give you like a short grocery list here in two seconds, but when we do that, it produces an inner, divine, deeply spiritual peace in spite of our outward circumstances or feelings or emotions. In spite of the depth of our trials and temptations or difficulties, we will have joy and rejoicing if we do that. We'll have a lasting inward contentment and peace rather than outward temporary happiness. And, uh, and as I said before, happiness depends on external factors. Joy is a choice we make to meditate on who God is and who Jesus is and what he did for us. It gives us gladness of heart. Gladness of heart. Really, it's wonderful. We should all be saying that in our heart. It, this is wonderful news. Because, you know, with the way the world is going, right, that's enough to worry about. And you can literally go from consternation about the world and its events by thinking about God's sovereignty alone, right? That he's in control. But you, could, you can clear out the anxiety in your life by doing this. And I know that that sounds like I'm um, being more positive about this stuff than this, but all I can say is it works. And it's wonderful. Okay, it is. It's, it's what God does when we meditate on him and praise the name of his son Jesus for who he is and what he did. Okay, so I want to go to the second thing here that we need to know. If uh, um, we, we now know what joy is, okay? It's the supernatural peace that the Holy Spirit gives us when we meditate and think about and praise and sing about who God really is and who, what Je who Jesus is and was and what he did for us on the cross burial, and resurrection. Okay, that's our definition. Now, where can it be found? And I've kind of said this, but I want to go back to Philippians 4.4. Rejoice, what? Always. I will say it again. In, well, you guys, you guys skipped. You skipped three words. Of course, it depends on what version you have, right? 
Okay, let's, let's read the one that's up there together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Okay, according to this verse, rejoice what? No, it doesn't say that. Look at, look, look at the screen. We, you know what? I have sympathy for you guys because I did all my early memory work in the King James Version. Anybody do that? This is back when that was like almost the only Bible. And so I will quote the King James even though I have a verse up there. So I, I have sympathy for that. But let's read the verse <laughs> together. All right, together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay. So stop. That's enough. Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Okay? True joy or rejoicing and the peace that it can bring can only be found in the Lord. It can't be found in anything else. It can't be found in religion or hobbies or drugs or immorality. Uh, it can't be found in any kind of pleasure or material acquisitions. I love this verse I found. I don't know that I've ever seen it or used it, but I'm going to use it. Proverbs 23, 5. And I just love this. Look what it says about money or ac material acquisitions. Proverbs 23, 5. Cast but a glance at riches, they, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky, fly off to the sky like an eagle. Is that, I, did I not give that to you? Okay, let me read that again. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And if it's true for material acquisitions, it's true for everything else. Everything that we, every way that we try to get fulfilled joy, with joy, uh, as soon as we're done doing it, thinking it, it sprouts wings and flies away. That's what happiness is, okay? But when we rejoice in the Lord, uh, it stays. It doesn't sprout wings. It doesn't fly away. Well, again, when we focus on who the Lord is, right, and what he has done for us in Christ, and what our future looks like in him, we're going to be with him in heaven, uh, we get true joy, true joy. Not a, not a, 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 a manufactured joy or a, a temporary joy. And I just want to say to anybody that's, I don't know, I, I guess my heart goes out to young people, young people, because I saw some young people today, and I just want to say, I want to say it to us all, but I want to say especially to young people, and I'm looking up at, at the ceiling now because I don't want any of them to think I'm looking right at them, okay? But young people, don't be deceived by all that the world has, temp, tempts you with, whether it's peer pressure or... Uh, getting ahead in life with as much money as you could possibly get or, or anything, anything. It will sprout wings, it'll fly away. But if you seek God and Jesus Christ, his son, you will be full of joy. And that goes for really all of us of all ages, but especially, I, I have a heart for young people because they're just, they're just moving now into the world. You, amen? amen? Yeah, thank you. So, um, this, we can only get this joy in the Lord. Otherwise, it's not true. It's only a substitute. Now, this is why. I want to tell you why. This, I've been waiting all week to do this. All right? And it's, it's hit me, and it's so simple, 
And you guys are maybe will go, oh, what's the big deal? But for this, to me, I don't know. It's just, to me, so, so uh, important. And I, I'm going to read my notes here. Because rejoicing, uh, true rejoicing in God only comes when we praise what is true and permanent about him. And at that time, in our minds and our souls, we come into alignment with the truth, not misleading feelings, emotions, or fluctuating circumstances. So the first thing that happens when we meditate on who God is and what he has done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ, we come into what is true and permanent about him. Okay, when we're focusing, meditating, and thinking and praising on these things, who God is and what he has done for us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, here it comes. We're focusing on what is unchangeable. And when we focus on our worries and cares and what the world is all about, that's all, and our emotions and our circumstances and our feelings, that all changes all the time, right? You see the difference? But when we focus on the permanent and the unchangeable and the unmovable and the certain and the truth, then that brick of emotions and circumstances and feelings that is so changeable it gets kicked out of our heart or our life and the unchangeable moves in and now we're on solid ground isn't that wonderful sweet three people said it's wonderful (laughs) really you guys really know how to encourage a fellow don't you amen isn't it wonderful when we, when, we, when we meditate, praise, sing, and, and, uh, and think and, and, uh, and, 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 and just about who God is and about what he has done through our Lord Jesus Christ for us, those things <clears throat> will never, ever change. And so we put the things that will never, ever change into our hearts and minds and souls, and it kicks out all the stuff that is changing. And all of a sudden, if you will, I, I, God will do this in your life the way he wants to, you will be full of joy and rejoicing. Not feelings, but a deep, supernatural, because it's from God, peace that passes all understanding. And you'll say, man, I like this better. I really like this better. This is so much better than biting my fingernails up to the knuckles and so much better than walking around in the state of flux, right? In a state of worry and anxiety. You know, the Psalms are really helpful in this regard. Psalms. So many Psalms, they start out in David or one, one of the other um, writers of the Psalm, either they're really super angry or really super confused they're yelling at God, and they're yelling at their enemies. I'm going to pull their hair out. I'm going to knock their teeth down their throat, you know. I am angry. I am this. I am depressed. Where, why so downcast, oh, my soul, you know, and all that. And then in the middle, they praise God. And what happens at the end? 
Oh, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your trust in God. He, he gains the supernatural peace. Isn't it wonderful that you can say anything you want to God, you know, with reverence and respect? You could share your feelings. And then you put your focus on God. These are Old Testament, obvious Psalms. In the New Testament, we have who God is and who Je what Jesus did for us, who Jesus is and, and, and what he did for us. And when you put your mind and heart on those things, you're taking the changeable and you're, you're kicking out the unchangeable. Truth about God, truth about God takes us into alignment with God. Truth about God gives us, gives us listen, an escape from fleeting happiness or emotions or a change of circumstances and instead fills our hearts with joy. Okay, now I'm going to get all intellectual on you, so you have to pay attention. Because <sighs> I've only got, well, I've got plenty of time. It's not quite. Um, this is C.S. Lewis. And sometimes he said stuff that at first is kind of confusing, and then after you think about it, you go, whoa. But he said, he's talking to God, and he says, I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. Because you are yourself the answer. Now listen to this. Before your face, questions die away. Isn't that good? Let me read that again. I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer. Before your face, questions die away. Whoa! Because sometimes the answer doesn't come right away, does it? We don't just snap our finger and God says, yes, what do you want? No, I'll do it. It doesn't work that way, or at least it doesn't work that way for me. Maybe I should speak for you, but it doesn't work that way for me. No, I'm going to speak for you. It doesn't work that way. And, 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 and we don't get the answer and the resolution right away. God has some things he wants to accomplish in us through our trials and through our, 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 our roadblocks, okay, our troubles. But he never said he wouldn't give us joy through them. We don't have to feel really, really awful when we're in trial to struggle, uh, uh, discouragement, or... Uh, or, or, or difficulties. We don't have to feel that way. We can be filled with joy. Peter calls it joy inexpressible. You can't, you can't say, somebody says, well, what's going on with you? You're, you're going through a real tough time. And, well, but you don't look like it. You don't seem like, yeah, well, I'm filled with joy, the joy of the Lord. I'm rejoicing. Well, what is that like? I don't know. It's happening. I'm at peace. Mention that at the end of the message. But, you know, and again, I told you I'd do this, so I'll do it real fast. But these things that we're thinking about, and I, I just wrote down the list. I just sat down and thought, well, I wonder what I could think about God about. What? So I just wrote, I probably wrote this in 60 seconds. We can think about that he's eternal, sovereign, all-powerful, he's the creator of all things, all-knowing, loving, holy, ever-present. Think about Jesus, he was, he was God, he came in human flesh, he was incarnated into human flesh, he was sinless, my hero. I just have wrote this here, Jesus, my hero. You know, sinless, birth, life, and death, never sinned. His blood shed on the cross, cleansed me of my sin, and then he rose bodily, 
destroying death, rose bodily from the grave, destroying death. He loves us, and in all things he works for the good of those who love him. He continues to work in us until the end, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work for you, so continue on to the day of Christ Jesus. He has a plan and purpose for our pain, thank goodness. We have the hope of heaven, a secure future. Luke chapter 20, verse 10 says, don't be happy that the demons obey you. Be happy that your name is written in heaven. That's something to be joyful about, amen? That doesn't matter what you're, what you're going through. I'm not here to be your problem solver. The guy on TV with cotton candy hair and patent leather shoes, he'll act like he's your problem solver. But I'm not your problem solver, but I am here to tell you with authority, because it's the Word of God, that you and I can be joyful in the midst of our struggles. This seems too good to be true, but it's true. Okay? We have the comfort and compassionship, companionship, I should say, and the power of God living in us. See, I just wrote these down. And when I meditated on these, boom. The joy of the Lord was my strength. Let's go to a third one quickly. There's, we, now we know what rejoicing is. Now where it comes from, rejoice in the Lord. And then how, now you go over there. This, I don't know why it was this group back here, but now you can say it the way you want to. Rejoice what? Always. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord Always. You got that verse, by the way? Do you have 4-4? Four, four? You do. I saw the Philippians 4-4. Four, four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Never stop. And to impress you of my vast education. No, I'm just kidding. But we learned to parse Greek verbs when we were in seminary. I don't, I don't know if I can get through the Greek alphabet anymore, but um, the, the, the word always here is a present active imperative. Oh, I, I was thinking you make like, ooh, or something like that. But uh, it's a present active imperative. Present because we do it all the time. Active because we're responsible to do our part. And imperative means it's a command. We're told to rejoice in the Lord always. We are responsible to do what I've been talking, what in the scriptures say, to do it ever-present, all the time. Not looking to the future, not thinking about our past where we may have goofed up. No more. Every present moment, rejoicing in the Lord. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Always. Every moment of our lives, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our situation, regardless of our, of our emotions, regardless of our feelings, basing it on the unchangeable, permanent truth of God and what he has done for us, through his son, Jesus Christ. You know when the most important time to uh, rejoice in the Lord is? is it, I'll, I'll put this up for a question. It's not a trick question. When things are going really well or when things are really in the tank? Both. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think it's more important to do it when you're on the mountaintop. You know, for me, because then I, then I don't lose where it came from. Because for me, I'm in more danger when things are going really, really well than I am when they're going really, really bad. That's just my opinion. But that's why it says always. Not just when we're in serious need, but when we're up here and God's done something great in our lives or whatever. Or somebody gives you a chocolate muffin, you know? You go, ooh, Lord, help me to rejoice in you and not in this chocolate muffin that I've been thinking about the whole message today. No. 
I haven't. But you know what I mean? You're in danger when you're up top. And you're in danger when you're down below. If you stay here in Stanwood, and this is going to be your church, I want to see you till, we, till the Lord returns. That's what pastors want to see. They want to see their flock. And I know that our new pastor will feel the same way. From beginning to end, how do you do that? You rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. Okay. And then lastly, why is rejo rejoicing a command and not a suggestion? Why would he command us to rejoice? It just, it's like I get this picture of a drill sergeant, you know, and he's standing up there. And yes, I am standing during my message. Why, why do, do we rejoice? I command you. This just sounds weird. But why would God command you and I to go out of here into our Sunday, into our Monday, and into our Tuesday, and for the rest of our lives, every moment that we can, we rejoice? We, we, we think about who God is and what Christ has done for us on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, and coming in and living within us by his mercy. Why should we do that for the rest of our lives and endeavor to do that every moment through the ups and downs? Two reasons. I, or was it three? Let me see. It was two. One, a Christian who is constantly rejoicing is a great advertisement for the gospel. I mean, when a person sees one of us experiencing supernatural inner peace through the Holy Spirit and not fear and not anxiety and worry and what's going to happen with the economy and China and what's, who's going to be the next president and this, that, all, you know, all, or my kids, uh, ad infinitum, right? When, when people see that, the watching world, and other Christians too, they just, they just see, wow, I can get through this too. I mean, if it's free and I can have it, I'm going after that. You, that's how you can encourage your fellow Christians. But if you know people that don't know the Lord, whether at work or neighborhood or school or you know, maybe some of your family members, what an advertisement for Jesus. It's like, it's something that's silent, but it's screaming out of you to the people that are watching. Not only that, but... Rejoicing is a command because God wants us to be protected. He, will, he loves us. He, God loves us, and he sent the Holy Spirit in to be what? A comforter. And when the Holy Spirit reveals to us this supernatural peace and comfort, um, it pulls us out of discouragement. It helps us with our depression. It, it helps us from going into... Uh, sin. Because sometimes when we feel really crummy, we look for an instant relief of some kind. You know, do I, I don't, I don't want to get into the morbid um, things that people do, and some of us do, to just kind of get a, a quick buzz, whatever it is, to deal with this struggle that we're in. Instead of going for the quick buzz, we need to pray to God, God, take me into uh, rejoicing and joy by helping me focus on you and on what you've done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. And you think God's going to answer that prayer? You bet he is. And, and we become more, more Christ-like. And, and we're, we're more, when we have victory over sin, 
and worry and anxiety, we become just, just more grateful and, and obedient to God. Um, think Paul and Silas in jail. Their backs have been laid open with a whip, falsely accused. In this Acts chapter 16, uh, falsely accused. Um, they're in the stocks. You guys ever seen a stock? Man, that looks uncomfortable, doesn't it? And I'm, when, you got, when you're here, like with the wrists, and then your legs are in there, it is... We've been to some of the early American uh, colonies, is that what you call them? And they had stocks out in the, as part of the exhibit. I thought, man, I would never want to go into one of those. It's not like you're sitting in a nice, comfortable stool like this, and you got your hands right here. They're in the stocks, and what are they doing? Singing and praising God. And what happened? The whole jail was listening to them. And when you and I express that, uh, people notice, and, they're gravi- and, and it causes them to gravitate toward Jesus. Paul knew great suffering. If you don't believe that, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 14. But he knew great suffering in all kinds of ways. He knew discouraging circumstances. He knew unfulfilled desires. But he, he knew what it was like to be let down by people, lied about by people. He knew what it was like to be, have overwhelming physical problems. He knew what it was like to have concern for those people that he loved and to feel the weight of that concern. He knew, knew what it meant to have attempts made on his life. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Make the choice to rejoice. Make the choice to rejoice. Will you do that this week? Okay. And also know this, just for who, you know, there's people watching right now. I looked last week and there was like 40-something people watching and I got a text from some guy in Russia and he had an exclamation point. I said, I asked Jana and Kathy, I said, how do I find out what this guy's saying? I don't know. They said, well, there's a, a place you can go to to find out. So I, did, I said, would you, would you find out? And you know what he said? Something that didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> uh, maybe he, to him and to him to me it made sense, but you, what I would say to anybody out there or here that, that I need to say that you can only have the ability to rejoice in the Lord through saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You must see Jesus as your only hope of salvation to realize that the law of God uh, holds a limitation over you. You can't perfectly obey God's law. And so in light of that, in light of that, you cannot reach God in your own efforts. You need to do what the Bible says. It says repent. Repent means changing your mind about who's in control of your life. Who's changing your mind about your sin and acknowledging that to God, turning away from it. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're going to take a new tack on life, and his name is Jesus. And then it means receiving Christ as Lord and Savior of your life through his substitutionary blood atonement sacrifice on the cross for you, for your sins. So you don't have to bear the wrath of God against you because Christ took all of your sin upon himself and you simply receive by faith his sacrifice for you. 
But if you haven't done that, you'll never know joy. And we want that. Amen? So think about that. And if you do turn to Christ, let me know. And we'll help you grow in that. Let's pray together. Father God, help us to make the choice to, re to rejoice. Help us to take this wonderful scripture that really does have a perceptible impact on us. Thank you, God, that we can come into a church and go to Scripture and literally the same day have it impact our lives. That is a treat, Lord. It's a blessing. Thank you for offering us bread to eat today, spiritual bread that we can consume and that can really impact our lives. It's so simple, but yet it's so awesome. And I just pray for that person here today, and they came in just kind of a wreck inside. They're so concerned about something. They're so anxious about something. They're so stressed by something. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Their circumstances are a little bit out of control, and they feel like they can't get a handle on them. Take them to a place of just uh, meditation and praise and worship and even song on who you are from the Bible and who our Lord Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. Take them there. Take them into how much you love them and how much you're willing to, to strengthen them and lead them and let them experience joy, joy that comes from the Lord, joy that um, kicks out the imper impermanent, changeable things and replaces it with the permanent unchangeable things about you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're all looking at me like there's something else. There's, no, there's, there's nothing else. No. Hey, would you do me a favor? Uh, would you greet people that you don't know? And if there's anybody new here, just say hi there. I met new people today. Greet them and have a wonderful day. Have a great day.